everyone, and welcome to episode 130, that's right, 130 of the Fun With Cars podcast. I'm Robin Warner. We're here today to have a pre-European wing of the 2013 season update. Whoa, that was a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> it's tough when there's not a, just a race to cover, and that gives yeah. us the title of our show. But I am Jim Lau, and we've got, a, we've got a show, of course, just before the Spanish Grand Prix. Nobody expects the pre-Spanish Inquisition, and yet here we are yes. with a show. Uh, so this is sort of a catch-up on uh, news and whatnot, and because you know we did have a show um, with the two of us together, but it was a little bit jumbled because it was the first time we'd been back together in forever, and right. uh, just you know had some time constraints and whatnot. So we wanted to give, uh, you know, give a little treat to our listeners in between races. Um, Plus, there's plenty to talk about here. I mean, it's been an exciting, exciting 2013 season so far. It's been exciting for Jim and I to actually be able to see each other again. So we wanted to relive those great moments. And uh, as Jim has said, we are less jumbled now. Possibly less Possibly, jumbled. Possibly, yeah. There's, there's Theoretically. A significant level of jumble at any given time. <laughs> but yeah, so there's there's all kinds of news swirling around right now. Of course, uh, you know we've, we're we're into the season here, and and as you mentioned so elegantly in the opening, uh, before the European round of the championship. Um, so I think we should have a lot more uh, kind of gauge on what's going on for the you know who's got updates um or whose updates are working really more to the point for you know so for spain and beyond um and you know just kind of you know can can lotus stay where they are is ferrari going to get better i mean there's, yes. there's a lot of different angles and even especially because it's been a, a, a several few weeks without a race weekend um we've got stories of uh you know, potential Grand Prix happening in all kinds of crazy places. You know, there's a we've seen the track now in in Russia, um, such as it exists now. Sebastian Vettel drove on the Sochi Grand Prix circuit, or as much of it as there is now, which most of it is dirt. But uh, it was sort of interesting just to kind of see. And there's uh, actually some doubt over whether that's actually going to work or not. So yeah, there's all all kinds of different things going around. Yeah, to be honest, I'm way more concerned about things working out for the New Jersey Grand Prix with the New York with the Manhattan skyline in the background. That one to me is. Much more important than Russia, but well, let's, that no, said, no, I understand where people are coming from. Let's well, let's talk about that because that that that's, that ties into uh, a couple of the stories that are going oh, on. I love when things tie in together. Yes, and this is one of those things. They're like shoelaces. So it has been written um, most recently by uh, Joe Sayward, who uh, does a great Grand Prix blog. Ah, uh, yes, at uh, joesayward.wordpress.com. Um, we're talking about how he expects in the next few years there's actually going to be you know three races in the U.S. He you know basically makes the case that. Um, of course, Austin is what it is and is going to stay what it is. The first one was good and it can only get better from there. Right. Um, with, you know, as they get the facilities, once they get the barbecue sorted out, they'll be in, <laughs> oh, yeah. in much once better shape. Once they learn to turn on the grill. Right. Heaven's uh, sake. <laughs> but, uh, that he makes the point that the, uh, New Jersey track, you know, the pit complex is built. It's there. It's a building. We saw it under construction. We did. But that they've sort of, not that they necessarily have reached the point of no return, but, there, there are so many interested parties going on, and, and he, he has a really good blog post about this, which is sort of um, understanding the economics of F1. It's not like NASCAR. It's not like other series where the, the you know, Formula One doesn't own any of these tracks. You know, they're not making money from the tickets directly, really. Um, it's all the like, TV licensing deals and the right. broadcast packages and sponsorship which I packages. I feel like it's important to say briefly that NASCAR does own a lot of the racetracks that it goes to. Yeah. And that is the juxtaposition. Right. And, and you know, other series of, you know, uh, sports teams owning their stadiums and stuff like that. I mean, it's a different economic model. So basically for having, um, you know, selling TV audiences and whatever, it's a bit tougher if you're selling stuff, you know, something that's happening at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. That's not a prime time, super awesome time, you know, 7 a.m. in the East Coast, but 4 a.m. in California for yeah. a lot of the European championship rounds. Right. Where uh, races on American time zones, even, you know, from New York to California, Texas, whatever, um, are midday Sunday here and then, you know, prime time across Europe right. and whatever. I mean, that's, that's one of the treats of Montreal and uh, Sa Sao Paulo. Yeah. Is we get that advantage. And there. I guess we're going to get to watch the uh, United States Grand Prix this year, presumably live. So uh, we'll see how that works as well. Yes, very but, true. Uh, so, so that for Formula One, um, as, a, as a business and the way that things are run, they want to, to skew the market that way because, of course, the U.S. Is, is such a big market for everyone who has something to sell. I mean, you know, there's this, of course, there's China and, the, you know, all the big growth in, in Asia and Brazil and whatnot, but there's still, like, a lot of people spending money in the U.S. So whatever product you have, if you want to get that into, in front of eyeballs and the right eyeballs and, you know, get, get money through to Formula One, they want a lot of, uh, they want, you know, coverage in this time zone, which is great for us because we happen to live in this time Very zone. Very true. And there's two reasons for that. One, 
we are uh, one of the, we are the wealthiest country in the world still, which you know I'm not saying that as a compliment, just as a fact, because uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. But two, and more important to Formula One folks, is that we are a country of consumers. Right. We love consuming things. Not only do we like getting money, but we love spending it. Because what do you do with money? Nothing. But what 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 can money get you? Stuff. And stuff is great. They say money can't buy happiness, but money can buy a jet ski, and that's kind of the same thing. Exactly. Thank you. Wiser words have been spoken. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, I mean, to quote Daniel Tosh, try to be upset on a jet ski. Exactly. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. So the thinking is that the New York Grand Prix, New Jersey, you know, whatever, whatever they're going to call it, Grand Prix of America, as I forget now what the, I think that was Grand Prix of America, East Coast, something. something. Yeah, um, that that is very likely to go through, partly because of you know the, the the viewership and it ties with the Montreal race really well and locations and blah blah blah. But also, they're already you know the local track had to get their money. You know they don't get their money from Formula One; they're paying money to Formula One. Right. So they had to do deals with local government, you know, municipal, city ordinances and things like that, and real estate developers. Yeah. Who of course you know these guys building the apartments that we saw when we did our our great video yes. driving the track. Yes. If these guys are saying, hey, we can we can sell this apartment. For so much more, you know, X more, more dollars per whatever, if there's a race here every year and people want to get here and, the, you know, all the hotels are going to be utilized and blah, 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 blah. Right. Like all those promises have, have been made. So it's not just, you know, like the, the Texas track, which is, you know, middle of nowhere, but still funded by public, you know, started by private money, but then sort of got changed over to the, yeah. to the public and all that. And um, also, I mean, we, we've been there. We drove it. We made a video about it. It's actually got a lot of potential as a track. Right. You this know, it, it's not the it worst looking thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly – so that would be very cool. I hope uh, Mr. Seward is correct. Well, the Where third, would the third one be? Long Beach. That would uh, – I'm so, not so sure about that well, one. Well, check it out. Okay, so um, IndyCar has a deal there through next year but not beyond. Uh-huh. Um, and there is a uh, – oh, I should have uh, – let's see. Um, well, no, it does not have it. So, so you know – the uh, um, so Indy, IndyCar does not have a because um, it was the very first event because it was originally put on in the seventies while right. you, while you're double checking your your uh, info it was originally put on in the seventies the very first race that was put on there was a Formula Five Thousand race and then it became a Formula One event for two three years somewhere in there right. and then it switched over to IndyCar and became an Indy slash Champ Car slash IndyCar again mainstay right and so the idea of it going back to F one kind of blows my mind in a way right so the thing is um and so the, the two numbers i wanted to go for so indy does not have indycar does not have a contract for 2014 and then there's no s- contract with the city of long beach even like as a sort of you know option or whatever uh, for 2015 and beyond um but then the city has um this some deal with the grom the long beach grand prix association okay um which is sort of not necessarily indycar but that's sort of this middleman that brokers the deals and whatever so they can they have they can op- extend the contract to 2020 if they want to. So like the city you know has agreed like this is okay and if it keeps working we can we can keep doing it. Yeah, I um, mean it's it's certainly good for the LA area to to have a showcase event quote unquote. Right, there. but they're saying you know IndyCar isn't what it used to be from its heyday and from whatever. Certainly. The um, so the people that are coming to the events are um, you know I guess in in a way it's this weird effect of the uh, the success of IndyCar and so on. But you know they go to. Uh, uh, you know, Fontana, California Auto Club Speedway, right, right. which is not that far. If you're really a diehard IndyCar fan, it's not like, you know, it's a different course. Of course, it's an oval, not the uh, not a street circuit. But Well, and there's a tie-in for us, too, because it's actually the sister track. It's the exact same layout as the Michigan International Speedway, which is close to where we are here in Ann Arbor. Which I normally wouldn't call you out for factual inaccuracies on something like this, but because I have actually overlaid this and the Texas Motor Speedway and MIS on top of each other, it's not quite the same layout. It's well, Texas is, is a mile and a half, but, and this is two miles. But, the, but California but and Michigan MIS are both two-mile tracks. Right, but the, the layout, anyway, it's, it's... Is it slightly different? I think it's slightly different. Okay, but, well, define... No, we have to... No, well, we're digging I, in. I need to pull up my Google Earth thing. Like, how... How Somewhere different is have, it? The same basic the shape still, or is it like? Because basically, the way the Michigan straight, the Michigan uh, layout is, it's the back straightaway is big and long and flat and straight, and then you have the corners, and then the front straightaway is a real subtle curve in of itself that connects the two other corners. Does that make sense? So it is a four corner oval, but it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like a D shape if I remember correctly. It's kind of like a real long sloping corner tightens into turn one then turn two, then a straight back straight, and then turn three and turn four onto this straightish, but still slightly curvy part. Exactly. Nailed it. 
And I thought California was the same way. Maybe the maybe the this the angle uh, is a little bit different for some of the corners or something. But I thought it was. They were. I was told they were sister tracks. Yeah, we're well, having a debate live no. on podcast. Well, okay. So uh, according to Wikipedia, the source of all human knowledge, um, <laughs> it, the MIS is sometimes known as a sister track to Texas World Speedway, and was used as the basis of Auto Club Speedway, which is Fontana, which we're talking about. Yes. So used as the basis of so sort of from or inspired by. Okay. Um, but yeah. So you're, you're, we're we're both right. We can we can agree to agree. Oh, and I that, love that. And that we're brilliant. Point is, usually um, it's just you that's right. So that's great when we're both right. I count that as a win. Hey man, it's a win for everyone. Um, <laughs> so, but the point is, anyway. So there's there's several IndyCar venues and people, you know. So so the Long Beach isn't getting all these out of town visitors. People staying in hotels, eating at restaurants, and all that. True. Which is really what you want. I mean, tickets are such a small part of the overall amount of what you spend on an event. Um, for you know, for example, we kept track of how much we spent on tickets and gas and food and everything else for our our recent F1 adventure, it's as true. was documented in Road and Track magazine. This is um, true. But uh, uh, so the ticket sales is like okay, that's all well and good for the for the company putting it on. But what really matters is the overall economic impact. And the point is, Formula One would bring in just it it just would. I don't think it's a disputable thing. Would bring in people from elsewhere coming to Long Beach, staying in hotels, eating in the restaurants, you know, spending money at the places and all that in, in a way far beyond what IndyCart would. And so, here's, here's an interesting fact that I learned from uh, locals of Los Angeles. It, they claim, Los Angeles claims, and I have no reason to not believe them, that that is actually the most culturally diverse city. So I would have assumed that New York was that in the States. This is in the United States. Right. I would assume that New York was most culturally diverse, but actually in uh, some sort of official term, uh, Los Angeles is the uh, is the most culturally diverse city in the country. Hmm. Yeah. I think they're both quite I, – I don't know how you – I guess if it's like the number of people from different cultures or if it's like – because I'm sure there's someone from basically every country in New York and probably the same in L.A., but if it's like the percentage of people that aren't, I don't know, white or whatever, I don't know what the, yeah, what the metric how it's, is. How it's counted. Either is, way. Yeah. So anyway, there's, there's, there's people from all, all over the world already in both the New York and L.A. areas. Yes. But, and, and I think both of them have the nice advantage um, of you know, people around the world want to go to New York City anyway. So it's, it's not like a hard sell. If I'm, if I'm a guy living in, in wherever, um, in, in, you know, in, say, England... Uh, and it's like, hey, I want to go to New York for a race. It's not terribly hard sell to the wife and and or kids to say, oh, is there anything you could find to do in New York that might be interesting? <laughs> you know, the the shopping, the shows, just everything else that goes on. And of course, New York isn't going to like freak out with the influx of people. New York is always freaked out with an influx of people. Uh, yeah, and that's just how that's New York an interesting is. Debate. They're not going to freak out because they're always freaking out. I mean, out. it's just you know, it, the, it is what the, it is. The the key, the point is, and I think you're absolutely right, is New York always has some sort of major event going on. Right. So it having another major event is no big thing. Right. Whereas uh, a place like, I don't know, outside of Austin, Texas, if they have a major event, it's like, oh my God, we're having a major right. event. And and I think uh, LA slash Long Beach, you know, the greater Los Angeles, whatever, Southern California area has a lot to offer as well. I mean, that's, again, not a hard sell to, you know, to, to get the family to come along if it's not just for the racing and you could make a trip out of it from wherever in the world. So especially if we have all the support from, you know, Mexican fans uh, and, and people wanting to uh, to get to Southern California from there um, with, with, you know, Chaco Perez and whatnot and, and yeah. Gutierrez. Well, um, if you want a freight car's worth of goods from China, Long Beach is definitely the place to go. Definitely. So anyway, Long Beach... <laughs> Could be a thing. Could be. New Jersey is probably going to be a thing. I and definitely Austin hope so. Austin is a thing. Austin is a thing. So that's all good for us. That's wonderful news, and I, I dig that. I would like to move on to another topic, if you don't mind. Um, the, like the sister topic to the last topic? Yes, is it sort of is it. based on the previous topic? By the way, I did look up Google images of both tracks. I'm like, see, they look kind of the same, and I do know they're the same link. So there's, there's obviously a connection, but I agree... I certainly are we still agreeing to agree, you or are you, are you not agreeing no, no, to agree I'm, at this point? I'm conceding that certainly, from your uh, from your point of view, uh, being the Vbox master that you are, <laughs> that there probably are some differences that are not identical. But from my holistic point of view, they are definitely the same basic uh, layout. However, next topic. Um, this was inspired by an uh, article on Autosport that I saw today, yeah. called "Hamilton Reveling in Mercedes Freedom." And it does seem like he is a happier race car driver this year than he was last year. And he also lucked out that the Mercedes is performing as well as it is and that the McLaren isn't. 
and I thought it was worth discussing what you thought about his move to Mercedes now that it has happened and it is a few races old. Yeah, well, I think, um, and I guess anyone can listen back to the older shows and prove us right or wrong, but I think you and I may have been a little bit more pragmatic about Lewis Hamilton's move than some you know, in, in the media or just commenting in general saying, oh, what an idiot, you know, he's at the best team already. And we're sort of like, well, who knows, right? You right, know, right. You know, maybe this seems like a mistake, but we don't know for sure. Right. And um, and we thought we thought w- the same thing came up when Alonso first moved from Renault to McLaren. Right. And Double everyone was like, why would you do that? Right and after the Renault two world was championships, yeah. instantly slower the second Alonso was gone. Right. So... What we don't know is how much is, is cause and how much is effect. You know, if would would the McLaren be better if they had Lewis testing in the off season, whatever? Did they take the wrong direction with the car design, totally separately from Lewis? Or you know, we don't know the inner workings. You know, if Checo Perez were exactly the same level of driver, which if there is such a thing, you know, huh. would, would he be able to get as much out of the car as Lewis? I mean, there's a lot of questions that we don't really know. Right. How much is cause and how much is effect? But you know, now looking at it after just a few races that we've had. Um, you know, I don't think uh, Lewis can be too disappointed um, in, if you just look at the results alone. You know, just look yep. at the points. I mean, podiums and, uh, and you know, the, the pole position and, you know, qualify. You know, just, it's all it's, – it's not a win yet, but it's so much closer than McLaren is already that yes. McLaren is really still sort of – Well, a, it's a couple podiums closer, in right, fact. exactly. And the other thing that I think wasn't – terribly secret was McLaren is very strict on, well, at least, at the very least, how it handled Lewis Hamilton. Um, Certainly, in general, it's a much more controlled environment. McLaren likes to cross its T's and dot its I's. And, you know, it's a very detail-oriented place. Wasn't really fitting Hamilton's style. He was feeling more and more cramped in that environment, and Mercedes seems to be much more open. I mean, I'm not going to think Hamilton's lying about that so it's interesting to hear Hamilton just enjoying that part of it as much as he is and I will I will say that in this year's current circumstances uh, I think McLaren is suffering from losing Hamilton more than Hamilton is suffering from losing McLaren because Hamilton is their guy that can take a car that's not great and still muscle good times out of it Jensen Button's more of a when the car is good, I will finesse this thing to the finish line and bring you home the trophy. Yeah. trophy. And Checo is still a bit of an unknown quantity now that he's in a top car, I think, yes. to, be, to be reasonable about it. Yes. Well, I think, yeah, McLaren has such the, the long and storied history of that is McLaren International um, and, and all the, the history and world championships and, and famous drivers and the whole thing. So the, it's really being a McLaren driver is being part of that brand. You know, there is something that is... This is what a McLaren driver is. This is how he acts. This is who he talks to. This is right. you know how he presents himself in the media and the kind of things that you know that a McLaren driver does is is a known thing. Where Mercedes, as it exists now, it's really in their fourth year and they don't have any of that. They haven't. They don't have world championships. They don't have the sort of. I mean, okay, they have Michael Schumacher that drove for them, but it's not like you know it, none, no Mercedes World Championships. You know, it's not like here's the you know the history of Mercedes Grand Prix. It's like well, it was Braun and it was. You know, it just kind of, it was Honda. It was really nothing, you know, nothing impressive to uh, to really write home about in this long and storied Not history. Not the same storied history, certainly. Of course, Mercedes as Mercedes is a long, you know, whole history. But as far as this team and kind of what it means to be a Mercedes driver in certainly the modern era, or, you know, if you say since the 70s or whatever, um, is uh, is being written now. And if that's, you know, you know what how they want to sort of pursue it with uh, Schumacher was... You know, I don't know if it was sort of like that was he he was buddies with Ross Braun and said, hey, dude, can I come back and drive your car over the board? And that just kind of worked out. But that, you know, it wasn't like necessarily making a certain message for Mercedes. Um, And then but I guess if anything, it was sort of this, you know, German dream team of the German team with two German drivers and whatever. um, And and kind of all all working towards that. But um, now with Lewis, I guess if, if they are, you know marketing themselves as the, as a team as sort of you know with a little bit more of an edge to it not quite so corporate you know smaller whatever even though they are you know right. still m- massive still global plenty automaker. corporate though i'm right. sure um but you know just so, sort of there's not so much of a brand of what it means to be a mercedes amg patronus driver right they're they're deciding that now so i think that's cool and lewis definitely uh, on the off-track stuff 
seems much happier. I mean, from us here in, in, you know, in the U.S. especially, we don't get a terrible amount of off-track media of like what Lewis is doing in his life yeah. uh, beyond that. I mean, of course, we follow him on Twitter and whatnot, and every time, you know, every once in a while, little interesting things pop up, but he's talking, you know, he's sponsored by BlackBerry, so he's always talking about how amazing his BlackBerry is, but fair enough. Um, if but, I was sponsored by BlackBerry, I'd still be like, meh. Can I can I get an iPhone though? Still, (laughs) maybe one of those, maybe some new Android phone. I mean, eh. I think all all the points you're saying are very valid, and certainly Lewis is a much more educated uh, Formula One driver now than he was when he started at McLaren. But I will say, uh, his first couple years at McLaren, he was pretty darn happy there. Right. You know, he he got in the car. He was instantly quick. He was competitive, winning the world championship in his first year. He was competitive against Alonso right away. Almost won the world championship, just like you said. Did win the world championship the year after, barely. Um, almost won it again the next year. Yeah. Almost, exactly. So, yeah, it's a different environment, certainly, but McLaren did a lot of things for him, and I wonder if a couple years down the road he'll be like, oh, but Mercedes has X, Y, and Z problems that I don't like. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops. But you got to give the guy credit for switching to Mercedes and certainly uh, turning it into a positive result. And I think it just shows uh, it shows just the quality of driver he is, that he can be jump into a new car, new season with a guy that's been, we have to say it now, veteran Mercedes driver, Nico Rosberg, yeah. and be every bit as quick as him in many circumstances. Uh, that says a lot about him. Lewis Hamilton seems to be developing a sterling, mossy, kind of reputation though you know it'll be interesting to see i mean of course hamilton does have his world championship to lean on but it'll be interesting to see if he can really turn himself into a multi-champion that many people think he deserves to be or if he keeps hopping around from team to team you know or making various decisions like that that keep him from really shining right i mean you know i guess we we could look back and see what was said about michael schumacher and ferrari if it's like why is he why would he leave the benetton it's a great team and he won right, his championship right. what could he possibly do at ferrari and of course now with hindsight it's like oh wow okay so <laughs> that of course is a pretty high bar for anyone um and but i think there is something to be said you know if you if you win world championships with different teams you know with different people around you and in different circumstances that's really um, even more impressive than say even three in a row championships yes. with the same team vettel um, and, vettel is impressive there's no doubt about it but you have to say it is an adrian newey car red bull has pumped plenty of money into that team he is in a very fast car right i would know what would make us even more impressed with vettel would be if he if he wins his next world championship in an str Ooh. if it's like oh i'm gonna switch Ooh. teams i'm gonna build this up around me and he you know not 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 rocky and all the boys and adrian newey moving over but just oh, let's just develop this car and you know then i'm gonna uh, take your bet and raise it I think it would be more impressive if he won the world championship in a Marussia. Even better, an HRT. <laughs> Ooh, not even in the F1. Right, you he can, still somehow he can buy it. that one from Pirelli off eBay. Yes, and then Ooh. race it. Yes, in the exactly. Vettel special or something. So well, the other the other dynamic, <laughs> the I think, special. that's like the old stuff, right? You know, it's like some driver's like, I've got money, I'm going to go build a car, and it's uh, you know, Brabham, exactly. Um, so uh, is I think next year when we have the new formula, the new engine specs and all yes, that, yes. Um, is I think um, it'll be interesting to see where McLaren ends up because we know they're already looking at a new title sponsor. Vodafone has, has announced that they're ending their partnership, and they say everything's good, but of course that's what they would say. Yes. Um, so it's likely that it could be Boost Energy or some other energy drink thing, which of course is directly in line with Red Bull or against Red Bull um, in terms of you know energy drink and money and marketing and so on. Um, but we don't yet know uh, what engines are going to be powering McLarens in 2014. Yes. Right. So it could be Mercedes engines still, and if Mercedes develops awesome engines and uh, and you know they get the the turbo V6 thing, supercurs all sorted out, then that could be fine. But there's been a lot of talk of you know could Honda even re-enter and, and do the you know get because now it's relevant to road cars again. Would McLaren want to build their own engines? Now they make their own supercars and they don't really want to co-brand themselves with Mercedes. Maybe they want to sort of break out and do their own thing. So that ultimately could be a make or break deal with sort of I think it's I don't know it's, it's tough to say. Is it a safer bet? To have the might of you know Mercedes AMG and all that all the giant corporation behind you um, in that side and the marketing dollars because of course they want to sell you know road cars and supercars and, and whatever um, or is McLaren International who makes you know so many fewer actual cars for the road and has you know overall I think a smaller budget um, as a company is way smaller but as a race team is more focused where if it all else equal where do you think is going to be a better place to be come you know, a few races into 2014 with a new engine? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I don't think 
because uh, Mercedes, if I remember correctly, was also the first one to kind of reveal some basic specs for a new 2014 engine. So certainly they're working hard on this. They're not sparing expenses in terms of making this right. Mercedes certainly has uh, plenty of education when it comes to building strong engines. I have to say um, a fun part of my day job is experiencing AMG engines on occasion, and they're not slouches in general either. Right. So I certainly – it's easy for me to go with the I think Mercedes will still be strong. But um, it's going to be a fresh set because you never know who's going to innovate. So it's going to be – a new set of uh, players, new set of contenders, and it'll change more often because uh, we're not going to have frozen engine rules again. Right. We're going to be able to develop a little bit, at least at least some. I don't know what the exact rules are there. I don't know if they're refreezing, but obviously they can't just freeze them right off the bat. They have there has to be some time to develop these things. Yeah, I should hope so, especially for the for the mid mid level teams and, and all exactly because yeah. these engines will come out a certain way and they will continue to get stronger. And what's sort of weird now is that we have so few with the way the regs are today, so few engine suppliers that you know, except for the uh, yeah, Marussia with Cosworth. Well, there's Cosworth, Mercedes, Renault, and Ferrari. Yeah, and and that's it. And it seems like Cosworth is not making an engine for 2014. No, I don't think they're so in the Turbo V6 business. Either Marussia uh, signs on with one of the big, one of the other guys, but then there's only three engine manufacturers. And then uh, I'm still, I'm. This is my call out to Ford Motor Company right now. Take that EcoBoost brand of yours, make it F1 style. I dig that. I like oh. that. Then, then I, then I can, you know, drive my Fiesta around thinking it's F1 technology. Yeah, yeah. Except and it's not turbo. Ford of Europe would be down. Because you know, you know, Ford is a big brand in Europe. In the UK, they go nuts over that thing. Oh, dude, Ford is every, every, you know, all the V8 supercars is all, you know, Ford is half of the field, and then well, it's Holden, GM, and very all, true. You know, Although that, it's it's pretty funny to think about that Ford in Australia versus the the Ford Falcon in Australia versus the um, the Focus and the Fiesta and all the things that are really popular in London versus Ford in the U, here in the U.S. and the most ve- popular vehicle sold in the U.S. Period is the Ford truck, the F-150. And has been for like 40 years now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a big number. So, but, and they make those with EcoBoost. So the marketing just writes itself. Oh, I, don't I, mean, know, I don't know why they wouldn't do the that. The material we give Ford. It's, come on, and take that, us and up on this. could be a U.S.-based. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the point is, I think, yeah, the turbo engines are going to be neat. And I think that may be a, an angle on this whole Lewis Hamilton um, you know, saga is if he's then in a really good position to see, you know, if he if, if they part of the negotiations was like, hey, we're going to have a super awesome engine for 2014. You definitely want to be on board with us. And that was part of this whole thing. So he's like, I'm happy now, but I'm going to be really happy next year. Because yeah. who knows? I mean, it could be the kind of thing that, you know, it could be a, a couple of races in. I mean, look at look at Braun GP, um, formerly, you know, now Mercedes. But it was just sort of being really smart about about double diffuser and blown diffuser rules that's got them so many points at the beginning. Very true. And you know, was, Jensen was able to capitalize on that and make that into a championship. I mean, that's that's a championship that counts. Yes, it was you know being clever with the rules and not really breaking them, but you know pushing boundaries and so on. But that's what it takes. And if Mercedes can come up with some kick-ass engine, oh man, I mean, if you Lewis go through the, the heck out of it, if then, you go through all the championships, there's a lot where you could you could talk about the car's benefits as opposed to the drivers. This is where you so bring up Villeneuve. Jensen did what he did, right? You know, what's that? Is this where you bring up Villeneuve? Villeneuve We is, just don't want to give him know, that. 97 championship. Uh, but, I mean, I, I've heard that about a lot of... I've, I've heard that about uh, Damon Hill's championship, too, to mm-hmm. be honest. I don't know. I don't know. Just asking questions here. All right, one more thing I want to bring up, and then I think we should do a nice dive into listener feedback. Okay. Um, where's Kimi Raikkonen going to drive next year? Lotus. You think so? I do. I think the car is working well enough. I think he's having fun. And a lot like we just talked about with Lewis, um, he can be as you know as much of himself as, as he can be you know, for, for Kimi. And for Kimi, it's not so much, I don't think, the team dynamic that's like, you know, because he's, you know, he's sort of screwball in interviews and stuff and sort of, you know, really doesn't say much and not, not great and whatever. And I don't think it's because he's like, oh, I was stifled at Ferrari or, you know, my time at McLaren was blah, blah, blah. Really, so much of it is just as like the media in general. But I feel like yeah. from what we have seen, the few little off-track stories and the and the you know just kind of what he's able to do with Lotus um, not being part of you know I guess if if there's anyone who um, can uh, can brand a driver even more so than McLaren, it's probably Ferrari of what it means to be a Ferrari driver and you know yes. the way that you're going to pursue yourself and blah blah blah. So I feel like at Lotus, it's it's sort of this. 
um, you know, you know, scrappy little guy um, team, which of course it's, I mean, it's Renault. It, it is a, a proper, you know, I guess, I don't know how long we can keep calling Lotus Renault, but I mean, it is, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? It's, it's that team. It, they do have a good uh, known, you know, serious history and, and pedigree and all that. But at the same time, it's like they, they were almost out of business several times and it's like still kind of questionable about money and everything. So it's like when they're able to do well, it's really kind of a success story, not just like, oh, look, Red Bull won again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think I, if the car's I hear what good you're enough, saying. I think I, I think he'll stay saying. there and it'll, it'll be good. But I have to say, if you if you matched up car personalities with team personalities, I think Raikkonen with Red Bull is a pretty pretty nice matchup. I mean, Kimi kind of in a weird way kind of digs that Red Bull extreme sports lifestyle to a certain extent. You know, he likes snowmobile racing. He likes doing other things he likes, you know, I believe rallying is one of his things. I know it's not just Kubica. I like to be driving really fast. Oh, and sh- I, I, does Red he like Bull rally driving? He was kind of in like the World the Rally Championship for two years. Caffeine uh, and the ginseng, and it is all very exciting yes, in my life. Yes, Um We have Kimi on the line, sounds like. How'd you do that, I mean, that, I don't Jim? know. I guess, yeah, no, he, but, he's into the crazy stuff. But but if, if Red Bull were to offer him, I'm sure the money would have a small part to do with it. It is Kimi. But if Red Bull were to offer him a seat, it's an Adrian Newey build car. There's plenty of money there. It's the Red Bull team, so it's not the McLaren or the Ferrari. You're now a Ferrari driver thing, and it's he's driven for both teams already. Yeah, it's like I, everyone wants to be a Ferrari driver. Oh yeah, he's done that. I, I have to say, I think in terms of car performance, the Red Bull is still kind of the safer bet. You know, I have a hard time for now. Well, although it's the same engine either way. So if Renault makes a great engine or a crap engine, then in a, in a Lotus or in a Red Bull, he'll get you know same, right. same end of the stick, as it were. Yes. Yeah, the, no, that, that, makes, that makes a certain amount of sense. So are you then, um, is it is it a, a foregone conclusion for you then that we will not see Mark Webber in this, uh, next to uh, Vettel next year? It. I will say in the first four races of this year, if you compare Mark's performance to Vettel's, Mark's not making a strong case for himself. Uh, he had the one instant where, you know, they were told not to pass each other. Vettel passed anyway, got the win when he shouldn't have. Um, but I would say... In combination, Weber's performance compared to Vettel's isn't isn't nearly as good, and uh, I don't know. All, Red Bull always seems to reluctantly want to sign Mark. You know, it's like okay, one more year, because yeah. it's like he's just too darn good to let go. But he seems to be. If you look at his 2010 performance when he almost took the championship, uh, you know, he was leading at times, and you know, the Australians were getting really, really exciting, excited. Um, from that, I think it's been a decline. I think that was. I think we we'd said that too. This may have been his best chance. Yeah. And I think that was his peak year. And I, I don't. I don't. I. I think it's. I'm not saying that they won't sign him again. Red Bull won't sign Mark Webber again. But I think it's going to be a tougher and tougher sale each year. Yeah, but now it's not. And I, and I agree with sort of the the logic of all of that. Um, and you know, both on on Weber leaving and on uh, on Reichen going there. But I guess. If you if you're a Kimi Raikkonen um, and you've you've accomplished what you've accomplished, you've driven for the, you know a handful of the top teams and have a one world championship and sort of retired, but you're not quite done and you want to you know have some fun again. Is it is it is it the right kind of fun to be you know second second driver to the sort of German wonder kid? I mean, or do you really think you have a chance at outperforming him if if it, you know like it seems like the team. It's not so much anti Mark Weber as it as it is pro Vettel, in my opinion. No, I, I so think that's very. Valid. If you then get Raikkonen in there instead of Weber, do they become all of a sudden oh they're equals? Or it's like especially if if, if Vettel continues and wins a championship now and he becomes four time in a row straight world champion, which is almost unheard of, and then then it's like even more. I mean, Vettel's, I haven't heard it. Vettel's team. Then is it fun for Raikkonen to go and be like, hey, there's there's this guy that the team is all focused around, and yeah, I get a fun, I get a fast car to drive around in, or to be lead driver in a scrappier team and and you know have some interesting battles and some different stuff. You know, that's I I think that's a very valid point. The the two counter arguments to think about though is, uh, Raikkonen kind of sort of had that experience in 2009 um, when 
uh, Massa was doing better. I'm sorry, 2008 when Massa was, you know, gunning for the championship and he wasn't. Yeah. And he kind of conceded, yeah, yeah, whatever Massa wants, whatever. He wasn't necessarily happy or thrilled about it, but he didn't make a stink about it. And there wasn't a public, you know, Weber is, Weber wears his emotions on his sleeve. You know when he's upset. There's right. just no hiding it. Raikkonen was kind of like, well, whatever, you know. So I think Kimi is a little bit better of, at the very least, not showing frustration that way. And the second thing is, Red Bull has claimed a, time and time again that we're not a team that plays favorites. We let our drivers do what they need to do. We'll, we'll make calls, but it's solely based on whoever's doing better in championship, blah, blah, blah. And it's equal. And if we believe that, then, you know. But I think Raikkonen would be able to make a much stronger case for, yeah, you better make it equal because I'm pretty darn fast too. You know, I think I think Kimi has the natural talent that might push that we're an equal team envelope a little farther. Right on. Well, uh, that all makes sense. I think you could go either way, and uh, we, we uh, I agree. We wouldn't say that it was a, a foolish decision. One I way think or the you other. could go either way as long as you agree that Auto Club Speedway and MIS are the exact same track. <laughs> I think, yeah, commonly known as sister tracks. I think is exactly <laughs> exactly how I would characterize that. Oh, so, yes. if you were Mark Weber, what do you want to do? What What do you want to do next year? If you were Mark Weber today, dude, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a difficult one for him, right? I mean, he he's I think proven himself to be a very capable Formula One driver, and you know when he signed on for I think it was two thousand five when he first went to Williams, that was still when Williams was one of the big teams to be a part of. And it was really disappointing for him because that was really the beginning of Williams' downfall into a mid-pack team that can't compete with the current front, run, front runners. undrivable car this year so far. Right. So he, I feel really bad. He's had tough luck, and he's, he spent a lot of time in the Red Bull car when the Red Bull car wasn't consistently fast. So I have a lot of sympathy for him. And I think he's a good driver, but he's not consistently good like he used to be. He's not, you know, he used to give that reputation, and I think it was a little bit more rightfully so. Oh, Mark Webber, he's really tough to pass, those kind of things. Like, he was really a hard driver to race. He was really good at making his car wide, really good at being as aggressive as possible. And in his defense, that was before, you know, curs and durs and turs and whatnot as well. Exactly. I mean, that was before all the different crazy tires and, and DRS has really changed the passing game. Absolutely. So, yeah, anyway. And so there's, I have a lot of respect for him, but he is, he is one of the elder statements, statesmen in the field now. And his performance in the Red Bull, he's had opportunities to capitalize and he hasn't capitalized every time. He's gotten some good race wins. I think, I think, if I were Mark Webber and Red Bull wanted to sign me on for another year, I would go for it. I would not – if Red Bull did not want to sign me on for another year, I wouldn't start hunting around Caterham or something like that. I would look for or would you fight something f- slick in V8 Supercars or yeah. World Endurance Championship because it would be cool to race in Lamar or something like that. There's, would you fight for the Red Bull drive though? I mean that's kind of the, the quandary is like is this better than not this? Yeah, if, if it's uh, if it really comes down to it, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think it's that's that's a tough one, right? Because it's probably the best seat he can get. You know, if Ferrari called him up and said, "Hey, we think you'd be a great driver against Fernando Alonso," that would be a more clear number two drive in a lot of ways. But it would also be Ferrari. The company car is not bad. Company I mean, car is not bad. He gets like an bad, Infinity there's... right now, which okay, <laughs> that's a fine car, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's Infinity. Yeah. But anyway. It is uh, it's no Ford Fiesta, I think, is what you're, what you're getting. At. Right. We want to get Mark in an EcoBoost. That's really what we want to have happen. Yes. Yeah. No. I I I would say I would say stick with the Red Bull because that's probably the best Formula One drive he can get. And if he can't get that, then V8 Supercars would be sweet. Uh, endurance Championship would be sweet. My first choice would be Endurance Championship, just to get Le Mans and to get some really cool things and still very capable cars. Yeah, so the World Endurance Championship um, has gotten really pretty cool. I mean, I know this is primarily a Formula One show, but I've been <laughs> following, I just watched the Six Hours of Belgium, you know, from Spa yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple of days ago. And, uh, and you know, Silverstone before that. And, of course, Le Mans is coming up in about a, about a month and a, six weeks, five weeks, something like that. Anyway... Um, that has really turned into a, a really top-level series because there have been lots of endurance races that are sort of loosely affiliated and not a cohesive championship and whatever. Correct. So now 
you know, Le Mans is still the only 24-hour event on the World Endurance Championship circuit, but it's, uh, you know, there's all these other six-hour and I think 10-hour races and things like that. that. I'm just picturing if, oh, man, can you imagine the World Endurance Championship going to the 24 hours in Nürburgring or something like that? Yeah, and, you know, just making those race counts, races count for points. I mean, they, you know, they go to Sebring, and that's, like, now a race. I don't, I don't know if it's a points-paying race of WEC or what, but um, I guess it's not technically, but they had some WEC guys there testing. So it's all six-hour okay. races except for... 24 hours of Le Mans. But well, it's, and, it's, but the Sebring race is 12 hours, but you're saying not official. Yeah, not a, but the so it's sort of an unofficial thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, now, especially because in the, at the very top of the field, we've got real competition for Audi. You know, Toyota has been looking really strong. It's not, you know, and of course, there's always been really good battling in GT, but for, for me anyway, you know, who overall wins the race still matters. You know, it's, it's always a little bit lame. Like at Le Mans for years and years, Corvette always won in GT1. Right. Because there were like two factory Corvettes and like five other just random dudes with cars that may have been cool or may have been a couple years old Le Mans cars and, and whatever. I mean, they're Le Mans cars that are driving at Le Mans. But, <laughs> um, you know, no one else was a real contender. So it's like, you don't really care that much when it's like, oh, GT1, Corvette. Okay, they won a bunch of times. And that's great that they were able to finish and whatever. But, you know, and the same thing at the top of the field. Once Peugeot pulled out, it was like not really terribly exciting to watch the Audis go around and oh look the Audis won because it's the only team that's really a factory backed thing and all the privateers are just running like Audis from a few years ago anyway. Right, um, right, right. And then there's like a couple of random like Lolas and the Nissan powered whatever and, and so on. But now there is Toyota, another factory backed effort who's you know looking to make a name for themselves, having only gotten a second at Le Mans in the past and, and wanting to in 1999 I think it was and wanting to wanting to win and so on. So um, you've got. Some real competition, some back and forth, keeping things interesting at the top of the grid, at the, at the sharp end of the, of the grid, and uh, in the races. So that's that's making it interesting, and I think it's because now there's a proper championship, and you know the the sponsorship and everything kind of makes more sense. I'm hoping that you know who knows if we if Mazda wants to show how awesome Sky Active is and they get into it, or even, <laughs> or even seriously with like you know Ford. I mean, Eco Sky Boost. Active is a very racing friendly technology idea, yeah. technology concept. The whole idea of uh, Sky Active is. High compression engines, really high compression, and pulling weight out of the car. I mean, the big thing when the Mazda 3, and I don't know what the European equivalent would be. I don't know if they sell the Mazda 3 in Europe or if they call it something else if they do. Anyway, um, they took the Mazda 3, and when you got the Mazda 3 Sky Active, they took like 150 pounds out of the car, and it had like a 13 to 1 compression ratio before it was a 10 to 1 compression ratio. And obviously, they made other smaller changes to incrementally increase the efficiency of the engine including but, including curves honestly i mean you know the alternator generating power when you're yeah, decelerating yeah. that's like that's cool that's racy yeah if you could if you could then transfer that concept into a racing team that'd be very cool right or even EcoBoost. you know if there were some ford you know powertrain technology anyway so there's cool stuff you hearing us ford come on right so anyway but so that's you know audi and toyota and, and you know if they want to get luxury stuff or make make it a lincoln who cares you know make it a luxury thing <laughs> that would be cool i would watch that anyway so world endurance championship is cool Mark Weber should do that. Um, there were rumors of him be joining the Porsche um, factory team and, and, and that Porsche going into, and of course, Porsche is all over the place at Le Mans with all the 911s. I mean, you know, more endurance cars or 911s, probably like half 911s and half everything else. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's not terribly exciting to me. I mean, still, the prototypes are still, for me, like really what kind of what gets me excited. And yeah, it's a shame, too, because the, the Porsche racing car is actually a very capable car. Right. It's just that it doesn't look like it. Compared to the competition, and like you say, it's fairly ubiquitous when it comes to endurance racing, so it doesn't have yeah. that same cachet. Bait. But actually, on its own, it's a very capable car, and I'm sure could press a lot of people with its with its strength. Right, and I guess if if we say that we get excited about road car and you know race car technology going to the road, then there's I don't think really a clearer example than the 911. You know, in terms of <laughs> hey, we learned this on the racetrack, and the generation is getting better, and, and you know, technology for the road, and the, how close the road cars are to the race cars. So, so it, it's cool in those regards. But anyway, there's there's there was talk of that. Although then Porsche said no, we didn't hire Mark Weber, and Weber said, oh, I didn't say this rumors anyway. It was just all you know. There's there's things floating around about how he's going to yeah. quit, and there's all these different things. But so anyway, I think we we pretty much agree then. Um, if you get the Red Bull seat, keep it. Don't bother driving the Marusha next year or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and uh, I guess, you know, even being like Pirelli test driver or something, that just seems weak sauce after having the, you know, if you're like, yeah, you know, for, for, for Weber. I think Weber would need to be in a race seat of some kind yeah. as opposed to something like that. Um, for I don't think for Weber it is, oh, this being the Formula One car, that's what I need. It is the, I need really good racing and I need to be treated I need to be treated like I'm a proper driver as opposed to playing second fiddle, quote-unquote, to somebody else. 
Um, with that said, if it's cool with you, I'd love to move on to listener feedback. Yeah, I guess the last 20 minutes counted as one topic, so I think, yes, <laughs> let's, let us do that. <laughs> yes, it is, of course, our favorite part of the show, and this time we finally get to spend a little bit of time on it. Um, we are starting with comments on the last podcast we did covering the Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, Ray asked us simply, and China. And uh, I actually responded, hey, we didn't spend a lot of time on China. Uh, we would have loved to, but uh, I had some uh, slightly personal things going on that uh, took precedent. And we felt that once the Bahrain Grand Prix had happened, that uh, it was better to just focus on that. China is a great race. It would have been a great race to do a podcast on. But we feel that once you once you're a race or two old, it's fairly newsy and you start losing the cachet. So we decided to just move on. So for that, we apologize. But, uh, you know, all very good. And then uh, Mr. Kilt uh, went on to say, I know you're in love with Button, but you've lost your mind, man. He's basically saying that he thought Button was the one that was being aggressive in defending his position against Sergio Perez. Chico Perez! That guy. Yep. Not the other way around of uh, Sergio being aggressive about getting around his own teammate. I I can certainly see where uh, the other side could make points. However, I would say in total, even the team would agree that uh, Perez was being a little bit more aggressive than he needed to be. Um, All in all, it just was a bad situation. And, uh, you know, it's not what the team wants. And... The two two championship top tier championship level top tier drivers would be a little bit smarter about the way they raced against each other, and I think at the end of the day, we you know, like seen a, like a Vettel and Weber pair, perhaps. <laughs> I'm thinking honestly of a Button and Hamilton pair. Ah, yeah. but I think we've seen two gentlemen teammates race each other more cleanly on occasion, and uh, you've got to give. You got to give the nod to Button there that he, in general, is a very clean racer, and there might have been times where his move seemed a little bit defensive. But I think that uh, Perez's aggression was a bit egregious. So, in a, in a more, little bit more general sense, um, I think the the good news is, you know, neither guys crashed out into the wall, right? You know, very neither, true. Neither, it, it was it was unfortunate use, you know, tire wear for Button or whatever, but it could have ended a whole lot worse. And now they've had the conversation of, you know, they've had their sit down with Martin Whitmarsh or whatever. Like, okay, guys, this is this is what's okay and this is what's not okay. Right. Here are the limits. And hopefully they can, you know, they've said they've cleared the air and then it's all good. Hopefully that's true. Yes. And now they sort of have, you know, it was sort of all buttoned at the beginning and Perez was sort of, um, you know, sort of in the background. Perez says, hold on, I can be racy too. And so now hopefully they've struck a balance and, you know, trying to just be optimistic here. It seems like maybe now they can sort of, They've they've done this. They've gotten this out of the way. This is sort of this brotherly tussle. Everyone's kind of like, all right, we're good now, and we can move forward as a team. And uh, and in kind of having not had to, you know, they didn't crash each other out. They you know can move forward and be good. So hopefully, it's all good for for Button and Perez. Yeah, and, and life I think is, life is grand. Right, exactly. And I think what your point is exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, Perez has established himself. You know, this this was a good result for him in a lot of ways because. He showed his capability, he showed his speed, and he showed how aggressive he can be. The aggressive part is the part that needs to be shown at the appropriate times. But the fact that he was able to get the car as quick as he was, the fact that he had less problems than Jensen, shows that, hey, he can be a quick McLaren driver too. This is not not something to take lightly. So I think Perez did a good job of establishing himself and not just being an also-ran driver for McLaren. Uh, we had a fourth comment, and this one came from John from CA, and it says... Is it Canada or California? I'm not sure. Ooh. It might be his last name. Maybe he's John Ka from ah. the Ka family, and that's why he writes the From. Don't know. Yeah. Maybe From's his middle name. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. So John from... John from... John Ka. From. Uh, anyway, he says, when are you going to mention Road and Track? Oh. After two years of listening to you guys, I stumble on an article oddly similar to the creators of the some other thing that we don't know about called the F1 show. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it sounds copyrighted. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's, let's I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. So anyway, um, 
John is correct. We um, are both connected to a road and track. Uh, me in a more direct way. Uh, <laughs> Quite a bit more direct, I would say. <laughs> that uh, I work for that. Uh, I work for that magazine, and uh, for our uh, fun, uh, for our fun with cars review uh, live in uh, Texas. I also wrote an article in Road and Track magazine about our adventure going to uh, going to Texas and trying to do so on a budget. And uh, as someone that has had jobs in different areas, I've worked uh, as a contracted engineer for Ford. I've worked for a tier one supplier called TRW Automotive. Um, having the job at a magazine again, working for Road and Tracks specifically, is a fantastic experience. And uh, we think and hope that it will enrich our ability to have a good fun with cars podcast and at times, you know, be able to say cooler things than your average gentleman might be able to say. Yeah. And I think we had plans to talk about some of that stuff that got a little bit derailed because again, we both had a bit of a crazy February yes. um, against some more than others, but <laughs> uh, yeah. And that's part of the idea with uh, when we, when we change names from the F1 show to being fun with cars. And the reason it's not just something else, you know, sort of loosely translating to formula one is that we are involved with lots of other things that are interesting and fun that involve cars. Yes. So, um, and we like to have fun with them. So, again, we got a little bit derailed by, by medical issues uh, of various sorts. Yes. And uh, have not been able to do so many fun things with cars lately. But uh, we're, we're getting, getting back into it, getting things figured out. And uh, we're already working together through, you know, through our jobs anyway. Through, um, you know, my day job is selling and supporting the equipment that uh, Road and & Track and other magazines and automakers and all kinds of companies use to get numbers on cars for, for speed and time and distance and position and acceleration and lap times and all kinds of fun stuff. So, you know, again, my job exposes me to interesting things. It's taken me to England a couple of times, uh, and that's where I got to meet uh, a bunch of our, our lovely lunatic fans for the uh, Bahrain Grand Prix last yes, year. Yes, yes. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's been all good stuff from there. So it's all sort of – it all ties in together, and I, I think eventually we will have um, some very interesting stuff to talk about. Um, and it's not even not, – not F1 related, but simply, uh, you know, from, from building race cars and driving them and how to do things interesting. And, uh, for example, our, our drive of the New Jersey street circuit was a little bit of a taste of that. Of course, it's uh, related to Formula One because that's what the track is going to be. But in sort of, you know, using some of the technology that we have and the access to cars and various things that right. we have to do something fun and interesting and making videos about it. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to, you know, I think we don't talk about it all that often. Uh, but, you know, you, your job with Road and & Track and my job with Race Logic, you know, working with you guys and working with lots of other companies to uh, do interesting things. Um, now that we can, you know, both drive again and whatnot uh, <laughs> and... Uh, you know, with certain levels of legality, I guess. Huh. Um, you know, now that we're, we're sort of getting getting back into the swing of things, and uh, hopefully, you know, this summer could you know potentially do some interesting stuff that uh, that we can tell you guys about. So cool to uh, thanks for asking the question and uh, giving us an excuse to talk about what we do for a second. Yeah, absolutely. And the only only thing I'll add is that the one nice thing about Road and Track for me is it is it is an outlet to be able to do interesting things in interesting cars. And when you're not Sergio Perez and connected to Telmex and have all kinds of crazy um, funds to get you all the way to Formula One, and I'll admit, plenty of talent, um, uh, to be able to have some sort of outlet to do interesting things in cooler, faster cars, that's nice. And Roan Track, Roan Track is a fantastic job to have if you're not going to be the next F1 star. Maybe. So, well, I mean, you could still maybe be the next F1 star. This this is true. I would be the oldest, most wonky-looking <laughs> F1 star, but I would do it if they offered it. Exactly. That's why I'm trying to get Weber out of there so we can, you know. Anyway, <laughs> um, and I appreciate you sharing the, uh, in, in this case, from the other day, the, the V8 loveliness of an AMG Mercedes with me. <laughs> I only drove the car about two feet, but it was it was fun for that. Uh, but uh, you And know, we, may I say, since you brought it up, that your two feet worth of driving was brilliant. Ah, thank you. Yes. I really, you know. Started from a stop and finished at a stop, and nothing terrible happened in between. Yes, and uh, we even got some data from that car. So, so moving on whoa. to the Facebook page. Yes, we now know exactly what it is our Facebook uh, followers, fans are looking for. Our good looks. We thought it was like <laughs> posting shows, posting links to articles. Right. No, it's not. People, like people just, one related stuff. No. It's not that. People nope. just want to see us. They want yeah. to see a picture of us on a couch. That's the most liked thing ever. Apparently, uh, listen, we're, we're, we're two good-looking men. Let's not lie about this. And uh, we, just, we just proved it to the world. Right. <laughs> uh, if you are wondering what the bloody hell we're talking about, 
we on April 21st posted a picture of us together again after almost three months on the on our Fun With Cars Facebook page. And it turned out to get 138 people liking it and uh, lots of comments to boot. And uh, we were kind of amazed and decided to have a good time with that. But all joking aside, thank you to Stephen Church, Anthony Bullock, Iga, I'll just say Iga Z because I don't want to say it incorrectly, Craig, uh, Jamie, Matt Patterson, Sean James, Are you going to read the 138? Because... We... No, no, no. Okay. These are the people that commented. Ah, yes. Yes, and and on and on and on. Uh, Lori, Dave Stevenson's, Mikkel, uh, Nadine, uh, Mark Wallen, Peter Rankin, Tom Musson, uh, John Chu, Colin Maxted, and David Garcia. And it is possible that I, if I missed, oh, Martin Dury. I'm not sure I said him. Um, Will Carver. If I, if I miss anyone's name, uh, Jamie Bell, if I miss anyone's name, <laughs> Gustavo Barrichello. Well, that's just a fantastic name to say over and over. That's a he fantastic He sent us pictures name. from the Brazilian Grand Prix, man. Gustavo Barrichello. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's still cool. Anyway, everyone that commented on that, uh, we very much appreciate it. And also, um, you know, just general posts by other people on our page. Sean Scanlon, Fraser McDonald, uh, uh, Course the Kilt. Neil Poppin was there. Uh, you know, Craig, we say, of course, because Craig just, Who? you know, spends... Uh, Craig, Craig! Craig! The kilt ah. spends a lot of time with us and really, uh, really does a, wonder, a lot of wonderful things for the podcast, and that's appreciated. Jaffa Graves. Um, you and know. has an adorable son, Gregor, who's just big enough to wear a kilt, yes. which is awesome. And um, while, we're, while we're talking Facebook page and whatnot, um, the predictions game has, is where... Totally having our best year ever for predictions. More people predicting than ever before, which means I'm still only like 66th place or whatever. It's not <laughs> gone well for me. But Neil, the prediction stud Popham, has um, has been continually adding features and, and things. So now um, you can have the predictions game can notify you. If it's like three days before the race or two days, I forget, um, before the race and you haven't predicted yet, it can yes. pop up a little thing in your Facebook thing in your Facebook feed to remind you. Uh, there's information on that on, the, uh, on, the, on our page. Um, and now if you go to the predictions leaderboard and put your mouse over anyone's name, it actually pops up with a little graph of how many points someone's gotten over time. So I can see just how terrible I've been doing in predictions. <laughs> but the point is he's, he's, he's putting in like, this is, you know, serious programming work into our project here, which is and just super cool. fun. It's very cool. Right. And, uh, I also, I want to give a specific call out to Chris Stark, who wrote a comment on our Facebook page. And it says, did you suggest yoga to a 14 year old Checo Perez, Mr. Warner? Haha, ha. good to hear you are recovered. Thanks for the podcast. And I actually responded because, I, yes, I have to respond. Thank you, Chris. And yes, I recommend yoga to practically everyone. Jim, you should do some yoga. You did recommend that to me. I, I did, it, actually. Yeah. And uh, you were like, actually, I think I want this thing removed. It's like, actually, I have this tumor that needs to be taken out of me. But hey, yoga would have been fun, too. It's not a tumor. No, it, anyway, it, it was a tumor. It, but it was a tumor. I said, I recommend yoga to practically everyone, especially if they're seen as stiff, quote-unquote, competition, because I was in stiff competition with uh, the other players on the predictions game. And uh, so, yeah, there you have it. Uh, Anyway, the Facebook page is a fun place. I'm finally uh, in a position where I can actually check the page again on occasion and comment again uh, my, you know, Fun in hospitals. You've got your internet license back then. You're, uh, my you're internet cleared. license. I am uh, getting closer and closer to being able to reclaim adulthood. Nice. Yeah. So for now, you have to you have to have a, a, a parent or guardian with you while you browse the internet. And if it's dark or raining, you're not allowed to be online. Is this is of? true, but but that's a huge step forward from where I need a parent or guardian in the past. Yes. And we will not add any more detail to that because. It's a you know it's a show for the family. Right. So also uh, thanks to Aiden Watson, Ryan Higgins, David McGuire, and Justin Muir's for uh, sending us messages. I think we've gotten back to all of you guys with uh, answering questions and and you know thanks for the shoutouts and all that stuff. So it's just what's most fun for me um, is when I see uh, fans of our show that I don't think know each other outside of it, but I'm you know when you see like on. You know, uh, for example, Craig the Kilt just you know had a had a beautiful son yes. uh, just a little while ago, and well, I guess his wife did the hard work, Louise. Um, and uh, I, I certainly hope so. Right. Um, and so we see other other fun with cars fans 
you know, liking that and commenting on that. It's like we're, we're, we're this whole one weird family and uh, people all over the world that are sort of finding each other through, through our show and all that, which kind of just goes beyond, you know, us sitting here talking about racing. So that's, that's super cool. And uh, if you're not part of that, uh, certainly please uh, come to funwithcars.com and you can click on the Facebook logo and uh, get to our page from there. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. That's always fun for the real-time stuff, especially during race weekends when the, our time zones work out. Yes. And, uh, and, and who knows what else from there. But um, and, and you can leave comments on the pages. You can email feedback at funwithcars.com. So all the, the hub of all that is funwithcars.com. And uh, if you're not part of that and just listening to the podcast, then that's cool. But it's even more fun if you are uh, part of that whole community. And uh, who knows, you know, what people you'll meet and uh, what will all happen. Um, I will have to say, though, partly the reason we're doing this show today um, is that I will not be around for a race next weekend uh, or, or this weekend. It's, you know, the practice actually for the Spanish Grand Prix starts in just three days. So... Um, I will be out of town. I will actually be in England. So um, what up Which to the? Which is uh, the wrong country to be in. I'll just say that one more time. Yeah, <laughs> you're still anti-UK, aren't well, you? Well, no, I'm not anti-UK. Actually, uh, I'm quite excited to one day go to England. However, it's the Spanish Grand Prix, and I just feel like I need to re-emphasize that Spanish does not mean go to England. Well, again, this is for work, so it's free, so I'm not going to not go. And um, <laughs> Because it's free. <laughs> and, well, I'll be, I will be able to watch the Spanish Grand Prix at a reasonable hour in the location where I, where I will be during the thing. So I think it works out just fine. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, I won't have all the time and freedom that I had last time I was there to uh, where I had, you know, that lovely, you know, I brought my, brought my wife and had a whole do, had a whole uh, buffet in this whole awesome sauce that uh, Craig the Kilt put together for us. But um, I'll, I'll probably be like live tweeting it and stuff like that. So anyway, keep in touch with us on the, um, on the Facebook page, on Twitter and whatnot. And uh, you probably will not get a show from us unless Robin works his way out how to do the podcast on his own and uh, put something out from, uh, from here in the U.S. But let's, otherwise let's, we'll be back we've afterwards. Done it. We, uh, which I have done in the past after uh, you know, spoon-fed instructions from Jim because Jim is the smart one between the two of us. Um, but we've also come to the conclusion several times that we're we're much better as a team than we are each doing a show individually. Uh, and that seems to be the opinion of the fans as well. So we will unfortunately not be able to bring a live podcast immediately after the Spanish Grand Prix. However, we are going to podcast again sometime in the near future. We just have to sort out the details of when. Right. Um, and uh, I do not want to end on a sour note. I, I do think it's worth bringing up. Um, I did... And this is off the cuff. I did actually recently graduate from grad school. Hey, congratulations. Thank you. And against all the freaking nonsense that I was trying to hold you back. Against all the bridges man. in this world. Yeah, and freaking and gravity, man. That's... Still, yeah, bridge gravity jerks. Anyway, um, long story short, my wife and you, sir, uh, have connected. We are going to go to a Formula One race either late this year or next year as a congratulations to my graduation which by the way i fully support and there has been a discussion about where that race should be Mm -hmm. and so right now it's sort of wide open it's it's like wide open either later this year or into next year depending on the time and the location because of course there's you know races that are way far away that are still this year and then of course you know some races that have already happened and uh despite our earlier conversation about potentially three grands pre in the United States, the United States is not an option. It, it, it's implied fairly strongly that we have to, you know, go somewhere out of the country to prove to prove our world traveliness. Ooh, like Canada. <laughs> yes, yes. I think, I, let me put it another way. We're not allowed to do it in this country, and we're not allowed to drive. It has to involve an airplane. Okay. For some silly reason. Fair enough. Yeah, we might have to change the name to Fun with Airplanes. Well, that sounds that sounds good too. So yeah, I guess as an interesting um, question to to you, the listeners. Yes. If you could go to one F one race, you know, later this year, or early next, what would just be for for whatever you know state your reasons? Because you know, if it's an obvious like, oh, Monaco is fancy, that's great. But if you've got you know any kind of um, you know if if you've been to one that's super amazing, or if there's you know maybe the Korean Grand Prix is awesome if you're there in person, doesn't really seem like it, but maybe yeah, because you, know, you know if you like. Being in the middle of nowhere in a different country yeah. and being bitten by snakes. Right. And which which that was not really our cup of tea, but it's good to know. So Although you know, my wife's father is Korean and would love to go. He loves snakes. 
<laughs> I'm actually not sure about the snake part. Oh, well, being bitten by anything. The Korean part, I'm pretty sure yeah, about that, the Korean that part. We, we know. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be fun. he loves... <laughs> you, father-in-law, you, you like snakes, right? Oh, yeah. Let's go racing. Right. So, you know, we, we so far we're all over the place with, with where and when. And I guess there, you know, um, hopefully we, we can get this all figured out. But um, if you, you know, guys there's, there's... have a recommendation, please feel free to share. And share on the Facebook page. Share right. on funwithcars.com. So share. there's 20 races in lots of countries. You know, so if, we, if you rule out uh, USGP, Grand Prix of Americas, of the Ameri- no, America, I don't know, New Jersey, and Rudolph, Canada, <laughs> you know, there's still 17 places, and I guess in 2014 is Sochi, the Russian one, supposed to even be on next year? So I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Although I have to admit, it is ultimately my decision, right. and I have to admit right now, the front runner is the British Grand Prix. I have to, I just, I have to let that out because I, you I just told puddles. you earlier, I've not yet been to England, really want to go. Been to France, been to Germany, have okay. not been to England. And uh, come on, I mean, as a United States citizen, you have to hit the majors. And, uh, you know, England, England, France, Germany, those are the majors. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I want to go many, many other places as well. Because, you know, been Italy, Iceland. there's nothing good in Italy. Well, I've, right? never been to, I've, I've been to Iceland. Right. But I've not been to England. Yeah, I've never been to Italy. There's plenty of places I haven't been. Right. I think there's Formula One in Italy. Oh, my God. And pizza. That is very, very true. Oh my God, Monza would be very good. So oh. anyway, this this is exactly oh, how far God. our conversation got last time. It was like, wait, Japan, that would be cool. No, wait, England would be no, cool. No, but Monza. No, oh, because I love Monza. Oh, right. Oh, oh dear. But I, I have to say, at the moment, it's still the British Grand Prix, but Monza, ooh. It's like none of us speak Italian, but whatever, we'll figure it out. Monza. So anyway, we appreciate your feedback on this. Where should we go? It's oh, ultimately but, just to advise Monza, Robin. Though. He has the final say. But Monza. That sounds delicious. Oh. And they're so fast there. Oh, my goodness. Which I guess as a viewer, you know, if it's just, and then it's gone, maybe that's, if you want to see but the guy. What would, it be, what would it be like going to the Italian Grand Prix and not being part of the Tifosi? You know what I mean? Like, we'd be there Whatever, like, dude, oh, you, we you like be, everybody and we're reasonable about it. Hooray. You can, be, you can just wear the, wear the Tifosi hat proudly and the Tifosi jacket and the Tifosi shirt underneath the Tifosi jacket. But we would just, literally show up and it would just say, Tifosi. And they would be like, that's not what you're... <laughs> that's, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, so anyway, if, uh, uh, if, you, if you've been or, and it's terrible or you've been on and it's awesome, whatever, let us know because that'll be fun. Again, funwithcars.com. And uh, there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us from there. I think we can we can wrap this up. We'll be back in uh, who knows how long of a time, but keep in touch with us in the meantime. On Sometime the soon, because it's it's Spain and then uh, and Monaco, Monaco, correct? Monaco. Yeah, yeah. we and, definitely want to do Monaco. I know I'm, that much. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, Memorial Day weekend. I'm around. Whatever. I think there should be no reason we can't do yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I uh, don't know. Again, this is. Huh, so I don't like, know. There's some other IndyCar if race can going do on that weekend too. If but, we can do something ahead of Monaco to kind of cover Spain, but do it a little late, I don't know if that's going to work out or not. But we might. It's possible. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? No promises are implied. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really. Uh, but thanks for listening, as always, and we will talk to you soon. I am Jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are the best.